Live from Nicole Hall, Loma Linda University School of Public Health, this is Don't Fear the Career. We hope this podcast will help bring you critical information on career development and tips and best writing practices as a graduate student. We also hope to give you a few laughs. Whatever platform you get this podcast on, please remember to give us a thumbs up, five stars, and comment. So now just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is Don't Fear the Career, and this is Molly. I am without my wonderful producer, Danielle Montoya, because of geographic problems that we're having right now. So this is just going to be me. I hope it's as good as when Danielle's part of it, because she's, you know, she's pretty great. Anyway, um, I have three special guests today, and um, I'm really excited about it. We're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is how to get the most out of your grad school experience, something that I'm, I think I'm forever nagging you guys about, and I was happy to um, find some students who agree with me and who are doing everything they can to get the most out of their grad school experience and how they go about doing that and why they're doing it, what they hope to accomplish by doing that. So um, first of all, I want everyone to introduce themselves. To my left is... Hi, my name is Katie. I'm a second year in the MPH coordinated program with dietetics. Okay. My name is Anne, and I'm also a second year in the MPH uh, nutrition coordinated program to get my RD at the end of the program. Great. My name is Anthony, and I am also in my second year in the health promotion program, and I am the president of the student association. See, we have like, you know, a celebrity in our midst. So, <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Cut it out, guys. I know, I know, right? You know, I just gotta give him a big head here. So Anthony and I, I think maybe ad nauseum for him because I'm always like, Anthony, how do I explain to them how to get the most of it and use everything? Like like for one thing, my services, which I'm you know, I'm partially advertising here, okay. But also just everything that, you know, what we have here at the school and trying to take advantage of it, but also what you can do as a student to just really maximize your time and make sure that it's getting you where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Anthony, what, what kind of advice would you give? I don't know. So when I first started going to school here, before I started, my goal to myself was to make the most out of it. So when I was an undergrad, I went to a private school. I paid a lot for undergrad. And I looked back at all I paid for and I realized that in my opinion I wasted a lot of time just focusing on grades just focusing on school so I told myself I promised myself this time I'm going to try to make the most out of it okay well I mean I'm gonna stop you there so what do you mean like you're at school and you're not focusing on your grades what kind of crazy talk is that Anthony? right right, right. <laughs> no that's a good question so I would say in my undergrad I focused primarily I, th- I think the only focus was getting good grades so I wasn't focusing as much on making connections and networking. I kind of had my group of friends and I just kind of stayed to that. Um, I didn't focus too much on other things like participating in extracurricular activities as much as I should have. So I looked back after I graduated and I said, after I go to grad school, I'm going to completely change how I look at how I um, address this whole school thing. And I'm going to try to make more out of it. So that was my coming into Loma Linda. That was kind of my um, my idea. That was kind of my goal. To, to See, and it's funny though, I kind of feel like it makes a lot of sense to focus on your grades a lot when you're an undergrad because that determines whether or not you get to go to grad school right, or go right, any right. further. But I, I get frustrated sometimes when I see the students just so concerned over, I've got to get an A, I've got to get an A. But, well, are you going to go to med school? Or are you trying to go to med school? No, but i got to get an A, i got to get an A. It's like, well, why? You know, when you can be taking some of that time that you would spend on that A, maybe getting an A minus and doing an internship or going to some great seminar and meeting someone. So, you know, not someone like that, you know what I mean? But, you know, meeting some like great, you know, somebody who could be a mentor or going to some, um, going to an event where you could make a professional connection that could help you out. In the, in the in the working world. So what do you think about that, Katie? You know, Molly, there are a lot of um, new students and they always ask for advice and they're so worried about getting like the perfect grade and I always tell them, I always ask them like, what's the worst that's going to happen if you get a B? Mm-hmm. If you're exactly. not going to med school or pursue, you know, something like that, like what's the worst that's going to happen? You're just not going to get the grade you want, but life's going to go move on. You'll be fine. And in fact, I tell I recommend like your services and all of the 
administration here. Yes, you're one of my room on my customers. That's <laughs> great. I show up. Um, and that's the advice I give to a lot of new students is to show up. Showing up is about what did it was it Woody Allen who said it's like eighty five percent of success in life is showing sure. up. Yeah. And it's true. It really is true. What do you what do you think, Anne? Um, I think going back to kind of what Anthony was saying, like in terms of like setting a goal for yourself when you come into grad school, um, for me I think one of the goals that I set for myself was just learning as much as I can. But that does not mean in terms of of grades in terms of academia because there's only so much you can learn from a textbook there's only so much you can learn you know um in the classroom um for me i just finished one of my rotations here um, at the medical center doing my administrative rotation and one of the things that you i learned from there is just so many different skills um just not from a textbook and one of the things that i encourage students to do is kind of as Anthony was saying, reach out to do more different activities because there are things that you learn um, that you can't learn in class that you will need for your career and to be able to communicate with other people because we are in a public health setting and right. we're always going to be communicating right. with other people and you need to learn those types of skills. Well, that's the thing. I mean, well. a lot of it is just learning to do to work with other people as a professional yeah. and to start fitting in as a professional. You know, and that's and that's one of the things that's great about the nutrition program. Everybody has to do a field practicum, but you all have a very, very specific and very intense, I think, <laughs> um, you know, rotation program, which I think really benefits you a lot because it's great for the nutrition students and then some of the other students as well who have kind of more intense, um, uh, you know, field practicum or, you know, outside the classroom experience that they have to get because you end up with a lot more on your resume. And that's really what people are looking for. I mean, when I speak to employers, you know, I always, you know, my, my thing in life is always, yeah, where on your resume does your, does your GPA go? Guess what? Nowhere. So what you want to be able to say is, look, I did this, this internship or I did a fellowship. There's stuff like, um, the Randall Lewis stuff and some of your service learning projects can end up also really giving you um, some great hands-on experience. But what are some of the experiences that you would say that you've had that you feel like has, have enriched you? Um, so I would say, like, I think we're along the lines of what we're talking about. Collaboration is so important and networking is so important. So with Kadian and actually this past weekend. This was a good example. I yeah, like this. We, yeah. we yesterday. Will, oh, yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, America. It's um, finals week. So, but yeah, it was actually just yesterday. We we're able to go and um, I, I helped to organize a health fair and they told me while I was organizing during the planning stages, they said, we need some um, nutrition specialists to come down and help us out. So first people I thought of were Katie and Anne. So I gave them a call. I said, I need some help on this project. Um, they were able to help me and we were able to meet so many different people there. We were able to network with so many different people there. And that's one of the... Um, that's one of the positive things that come out of being able to not just focus on the grades um, portion of it, but also for focusing on the networking, on different events, on just getting out there and um, getting your hands dirty with this thing we call public health, and not just um, That's it. not just looking at it in theory. That's great. Well, so, so, I mean, I know you're always telling me about, like, all you have to do if you need nutrition, anything. You need nutrition, people come, I'll just call Katie and Ann, <laughs> and they're going to hook me up, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. totally does. And so, so when you called them, were you guys, what did you guys do to mobilize to help, to help Anthony with his, his event? Well, we, you know, he called late at night, yeah. an emergency. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, he just told me what it was, and he said, can you show up? And I didn't even ask, like, Details, I said, I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter because when you network with people, yeah. you trust them, mm -hmm. you're going to show up for each other. Yeah, that's, and that's really what it is. And these are, and, and, you know, what I tell people too is, I always, this is my thing. It's like, this is work school. Right. This isn't just like regular school. This is work school because you're training for a very particular job and you're trying, you know, to establish yourself as, an, as a professional in that way. Anthony and Anne and Katie are probably going to know each other for years, yeah. probably for, you know, as, and as they go out into the world and they launch themselves as professionals, that's going to be more people in his network. And it's more than, it's kind of like the human, it's like the, the in-person version of LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. So what kind of stuff have you, can can either of you tell me, Anne or Katie, like stuff that, that you've learned, even um, just 
out in the world that you, that you feel that you benefited from as opposed to just your book learning? Not putting down book learning, okay? Being very clear because you have to do that, but some something that you know that you could not have necessarily, you know, gotten had you just been in classroom. I mean, I think um, the book learning portion of Loma Linda does help you mm-hmm. to supplement you for, you know, working in the um, out, you know, in the working in the real world, for mm-hmm. example. Um, and it is important, but I don't think it's the the most important thing either. Because I mean, I keep coming back to the um, my rotations that I just had finished because I mean it's very fresh in my head. Mm-hmm. But we did an administrative rotation over at the medical center, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of real world experience that you have to learn how to do. For example, um, learning how to um, hire people, learning how to look out for certain flags um, that you that that may be raised during. Um, phone interviews, um, and that's really that's important right. to, to be able to know because one of these days we are all going to be either employees or employers mm-hmm. as well, and to be able to make sure that we know what to look out for and then know what to expect when we're going into interviews as well. Um, and I think that's so important to be also gain that confidence and to be able to learn how to manage people, to be able to learn how to talk to people properly and professionally, but also direct them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, actually going back to the health fair yesterday that we went to. What was um, that for? What was the health fair for? It was for Riverside, um, health, um, Riverside University Hospital. Yeah, the family medicine portion of the Riverside University Health System, they have something called um, Healthy Eating and Lifestyle Promotion, yeah. and um, that's a, a project that I'm the project coordinator on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we met, or at least a couple of us met with um, a student who wanted to go to medical school, and you know he was really trying hard to get into medical school, but one of the things that he said he really struggled with was his interviewing skills. Oh, yeah. He mentioned that like he went to uh, a couple interviews, and he just came out feeling not very confident, not very good. And those things are things that you can't learn from a textbook. I mean, you can try to work your best to get great grades to try to get into, you know, medical school and do well in the MCAT. But if you reach the interview section and, you know, you just don't wow them or you're not able to present yourself in a in a manner that they would like, then it just your schoolwork almost kind of becomes yeah. pointless or diminishes its in its well, value. Funny, because what I hear from people who do work with medical students and who are in the process sometimes of, you know, judging them and stuff like that is that they're looking more for a well-rounded mm-hmm. kind of individual. They want people who can write a little bit. They want people who can talk to other people who have some social skills in addition to just the full-on, you know, 4.3, you know, 4.5 or something, which I never really understood how you could get more than a 4.0, but I know there's ways <laughs> of doing it. It just depends if it's like, you know, a weighted, a weighted system or something. But ultimately, even for people who deal a lot with data and stuff, say you want to be a biased statistician or an epidemiologist, at some point you're going to have to go out and talk to people who are not epidemiologists or biostatisticians and try to make them understand what it is you're talking about. I would say like one thing that's important is to really be, we all started public health, uh, most of us I believe, to help people. Yes. It wasn't really for the money. Or we all certainly not help. for the money, no. right? So, <laughs> is that, so we all wanted to help people. And I think most of us do want to help people, but I think it's we have to be deliberate in how we build our repertoire, our, our toolbox of these different skills, so we can be effective public health people, and that we can help the people that we want to help. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just enough wanting to help the people; you have to have the skills and tools necessary, whether it's collaboration, whether it's the health policy portion of it, or the epidemic. You have to have these tools from the classroom and outside of the classroom, and be deliberate about building up that um, that repertoire of skills. So yeah. I think well, and and also knowing how to talk to lay people without mm-hmm. kind of talking down to them yeah, and yeah. saying, "Well, everybody needs to be eating this," and mm-hmm. not you know just being very kind of um, sort of directive with right. people, and then they just kind of freeze up or whatever. And and the cool thing about public health is that it really is intended just to deal with people like on a large scale and to get the health message out. So you're not necessarily a physician in an office just seeing one patient at a time or whatever. You have the ability to really affect a lot of people and to get a get a health message out there. But if you go about it the wrong way, and if you just come out like you are a talking textbook, <laughs> that's not going to go over so great, and people are going to kind of tune you out. Well, you know, this person's telling me that I shouldn't eat any more, you know, fill in the blank or whatever. And um, but but I have to, or you know, I'm not I'm not ready to give up this or that, or I'm not ready to to cook all my food, or I'm not ready to you know 
you know, transition to vegan or whatever right now. I'm, I don't know that I'm ready to do that. So how would I go about, you know, like starting to implement some of these changes in my diet, you know, you know, in a more sustainable way until you can get to where you guys would like us to be. Cause yeah. you know, I know how you guys are. You don't want us to eat a lot of things that we love to eat. But, um, well, so have there been, have there been any experiences like in your rotations or in other professional settings, um, that you felt that you were surprised by or that you kind of felt like, whoa, that was, that was a big learning experience right there. <laughs> that was a teachable moment for me or different than you thought it might be. Um, I just completed my 400 hours of my public health practicum this past week. Wow. And I presented my practicum Oh, poster. that's right. How's that go? It went well. Thank yeah. you. Um, it was this past Friday. So I learned a lot from this experience. Um, I designed a program and implemented a nutritional education series for lay people in Ontario. Nice. And... Oh my goodness, I can't tell you like all the things I learned about like collaboration and um I thought going in I would just be focusing on nutrition mm-hmm. and this was the the beauty of like that experience was I realized that nutrition is just having that background is just one piece of trying to help people, which is what we came into public health for. You have to collaborate with people who are experts in program planning because mm-hmm. that is certainly not my area of right. expertise. Right, yes. And evaluating the program means I have to talk with my epi friends and ask, what does this mean? How do I make exactly. the graphs? Exactly. Um, and then communicating with the lay people whose um, first language is not English was a huge challenge as well. Dang. So that was a huge wake-up call for me in that to help people, you really have to learn how to communicate better. Mm-hmm. and if you're in school, like learning all the material is not going to make you a more effective communicator unless mm-hmm. you talk with people, right. you talk with professors and faculty and staff and friends and make those connections there. Well, and even, you know, I mean, of course, this is me and I'm always complaining that I don't get enough people to my events and this is like a constant refrain for me. But it's not just the sorts of things that this office offers. Um, there's lots of stuff like um, like the Will Alexander series mm-hmm. and different things. Mm-hmm. I remember, what were you we talking about a little while ago? You said that you went to a seminar and um, that you were hanging around a little bit after the seminar and you got to meet the presenter and had like this great interaction with the person who was pre- presenting the seminar. I can't remember now which one it was. Um, you can't remember which yeah, one it was. Really but yeah. you said that it ended up being a really good experience because you made kind of a professional connection. Yeah. That's better than LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn's good, okay? And you go, you should go immediately after <laughs> meeting someone and go and link with them, okay? You know, and say, hey, I'm the person you spoke to and stuff. But, I mean, it's there's so many opportunities for meeting people here that can help, that can really help you. And, and I'm sorry just to be crass, but help you find a job and start earning a living because that's really what it's about here. This isn't a theoretical exercise. I mean, you're really about getting jobs and doing your work. And um, so, as a for instance, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say one thing kind of to piggyback off of what Katie was saying, it's also important to um, meet with the lay people because they have so much to offer. They really do. And they have so much to teach you. And when they see that you are making an effort to um, be humble and to learn from them Mm -hmm. and to include them, because I'm in the health promotion field, Mm -hmm. we do community-based participatory research, and Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we include the community in every single phase of the um, planning of the program, the planning process. And the reason it's so important, because they have so much important things that they can tell you about themselves and Mm -hmm. about their communities, and it helps to inform your research, and it helps to inform your program. And when they see that you're deliberate, I I could think about when I was... um, working on this project, I think it was last year, for a a bilingual curriculum of mental health for um, Spanish-speaking population. And, you know, they introduced me, and, you know, they were like, okay, who's this guy? And when um, the um, person who introduced me said, oh, Anthony also speaks Spanish. Yeah, it's really well, and I'm super jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I I just just have to put that out I'm really jealous (laughs) of that, Anthony. When they said Anthony also speaks Spanish, they were like, what? And then oh, I'm telling you, like all of them came to me after, and then they're, you know, we we're talking, and that was cool. But there was also another person in our planning group 
who um, she was from the Philippines, and she did not speak Spanish fluently, but she gave an effort. Mm-hmm. She tried, and they were just as enthusiastic right. about her, even though she couldn't speak Spanish. The fact that she um, made an effort mm-hmm. to communicate with them. So it's so important to include the um, the lay people, the different communities that we're working in in our um, in our programs because they can just teach us so much. Right. Well, and the and the thing about public health, you know, is that instead of people coming to us, we go to them. Right. Right. You know, and I'm including myself in that, even though I'm not a public health person in the classic sense. But it's like you have to meet people where they are. Right. And what and what better way to do that than out in the world? And you know, and then to take all your knowledge which you have acquired in the classroom, which we're not putting down the classroom people. Mm-hmm. It's totally. I mean, you there, you won't have anything to talk about if you're not in class and learning the things that you that you're learning. But if you don't um, actually take it. And operation uh, operationalize it. I think is sort of a word, um, but also it helps you all retain your knowledge better, too. I really think you guys have a lot of other great experiences. You guys do stuff outside of school too with each other. I know this. Our first our first um, quarter, we took this class called PCOR. PCOR is um, a course in which all of the different specialties of public health are in. So we have epidemiology, health policy, um, health promotion, um, nutrition, everything. And we are collaborating in, in this um, in this class together. It's the only class that we all take together. And I remember the first, I think it was the first day of that class, they were reading us this uh, article on the Gallup poll and how they asked a question, do you have a best friend at work? And basically the whole idea behind that um, lesson plan was that you have to, when the more that you like people, the more that you're able to work um, better with them. So I think that's one thing from that class on, we were really deliberate on hanging out together. Uh-huh. Um, we've, <laughs> we've gone on vacations together. <laughs> we've, uh, I mean, we really um, are friends and that actually helps us to work well together Um, it's easier to collaborate with someone you're not really focusing on what this person didn't do or what you did and this person didn't do you're just able to focus on the whole picture and um putting out good work Mm -hmm. and um so those two things are related Um, having a good connection and good relationship and also um the work that you do together well, so it's not just transactional, like, okay, you're on my team, and I'm expecting you to keep up your right. end of the team, and if you don't, I'm going to kind of secretly maybe hate you a little bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you see somebody outside of school, or you share a meal with them, right. you know, I mean, rather than, like, you know, taking your plate of food that you get from, you know, you know, lunch power, or during finals week, or whatever, and you have some food, and you just sort of, like, scuttle over and sit down and just eat it, and, like, you know, playing with your phone and on your the computer and stuff like that, it's like, taking some time. Also, it's part of self-care which i know millennials especially have kind of embraced this concept and there's a thing which is good because even though at the same time i'm saying self-care but i know for a fact that a lot of you all will stay up all night studying and then like that, which kind of wakes me a little bit i'm like oh god but molly we also up. go on hikes on yes the that's true yes. see so you balance it yeah have potlucks and, and you have potlucks that's really what i was talking about the potlucks, the potlucks, right? we, we have a uh, oh oh no go ahead I was going to say, we, um, we started an international potluck. And the quarterly reason, potluck. A quarter, international <laughs> quarterly potluck, excuse me. But the reason we call it that is because um, the first time that we had that potluck, we saw that some of the students, for example, from Ethiopia, were um, talking with some of the students from India and saying, wow, we have similar... We have similar um, plates. We have similar dishes. Oh, wow. And then some of the students from Saudi Arabia would say, yeah, we have the same dish. Yeah. So we realized that our, our school in public health is very diverse. Yes. And we're able to really see that when we ate together mm-hmm. and we saw the different foods, we saw that we were so diverse, but we saw that we had so many similarities mm-hmm. also um, in the food and some of the um, things, uh, some of our cultures. So um, finding that uniqueness and mm-hmm. also the similarity was mm-hmm. able to really um, bond us together. Yeah, the unique couple. and the similar mm-hmm. and also just that kind of support that you guys can give each other because really no one understands what you all are going right. through the way you do. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, I like to think I understand it on some level, but I mean, 
mean, it's really, I think, for one thing, I think it's unique for every person. Mm -hmm. And the programs differ so much. I mean, I just sort of had my mind blown a few days ago when I was talking to some people from the EPI program and their data management class, which is just, I was going, oh my God, how mm -hmm. could you do that? How could you, I mean, how long it takes for them to do their mid, their midterm mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so, so just, yes, which I just, oh my God. So, I mean, I see them in that, were you the one who was telling me about the big white room, how they're in that big white room, <laughs> they're in the computer lab, and they just stay in there, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. their whole world, yeah. and so I want them, you know, I always want them to get out of there, it's like just, Some fresh just, air, yeah. yeah, so like today, we have, as a, for instance, our guest stars outside, and we have some little critters, we got an enormous dog, and a tiny dog, and a mid-sized dog, <laughs> and a little teeny tiny horse that's actually smaller than one of the dogs, and it's just to kind of help people kind of get some of their stress out, and lower their blood pressure, and yeah, you know, calm their breathing and realize that you know, you know, your entire future is not being decided this week. Mm -hmm. You know, even if even if finals don't go as well as you would like them to, I find I'm really doubting, seriously doubting anyone's not going to pass. You know what I mean? And maybe you can always beat yourself up that you can do things better. Oh, I should. You know, it's like okay, but you will go on. The sun will rise again tomorrow, and also you will have some great experiences that will. What I hope will carry you forward just as well as your studies do because having that camaraderie and building those those relationships those friendships that i'm hoping that you guys i'm sure are hoping can help sort of follow you around and, and help support you once you go out there so what do you guys feel about like how do you what do you see as a challenge or do you feel kind of prepared for going out into the world when you guys graduate? Is everybody here graduating in June? Yes. yes. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. That's, That's the plan. That's the plan. Yes. So what's, what do you see as like a challenge or, well, I mean, do you, do you feel equipped? Do you feel equipped to go out there? I mean, not just academically, but do you feel equipped to, to kind of meet that challenge of finding a job or, you know, for the job hunt? Um, okay. Go oh. I think at least for me personally, I know after we graduate in June, at least for the nutrition um, degree, we have two more quarters that we do our clinical rotation and our practicum. But personally, I, I personally do feel like that I am equipped to be able to go out there, to be able to uh, get an interview, um, do well on an interview, and then be able to like show off like my skill sets and like what I've been able to do. Just because, I mean, there's so many resources that we have here. For example, Molly, I've helped had um, you look over my resume mm -hmm. and really help to fine-tune it as well. And then also doing going to these different various rotations really help you be able to learn how to communicate properly and build up your confidence. Because when you're in school, um, your confidence of... of you get confidence from the getting mastery, an A. The mastery of the, mastering the material. Of the material. And that's, right. that's a different kind of confidence. Like, right. You don't really get that. Like No one's going to give you an A when you go out into a job and be like, oh, you did you did well on you know, your assignment. Seriously. You know? oh, so right. you, you Nothing's learn, truer. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you learn a different type of confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, having the accumulation experience of just also being able to collaborate with all of our classmates as well kind of really right. helps you prepare and because we can depend on them as well like I think that helps me to be prepared as well because if I'm worried or if I know that I'm worried for an interview or something like that I can always you know turn to Anthony or turn to Katie like hey do you think we can practice um you know interviewing skills or something like that and so I think yes. that's a big part of being here at Loma Linda too that's why you need to create these collaborations and like build these close bonds and friendships as well to be able to help you to do that. And since, and this is, you know, this is an, an Adventist institution, this is a health sciences university, and so obviously public health. I mean, I know that, that since working here all these years, I've lost weight, I've stopped eating meat quite as much, I still do eat meat, I'm sorry, but not as much, and I try and eat better meat, and I definitely don't like eat processed stuff, and hot dogs are no more, I just don't do the hot dogs anymore, because it's just too scary, and so all these things I've learned, and so how do you all feel that the atmosphere at Loma Linda supports you in your, in your, in your health, and in your, your self-care, and all like that? You guys are already, like, totally down for it because you're nutrition people. So you're already eating great, right? You're eating great. Well, there's but always room for improvement. There's always no. room for improvement. But, but also... I, I believe that it's um, important to count your blessings and not your calories. Yeah. <laughs> are you the one who wrote that kind of thing? Maybe. Did you write that? But see, because I, I do count my calories. That's how I lost weight. But, you know, I mean, so... But also, it's 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 what you eat. But like you said, you guys so, also try and get exercise. So actually. when you're talking about the environment, I know you're talking more health-wise, but one thing that I really appreciate about the environment here at um, Loma Linda School of Public Health 
is that we are able to communicate with the professors mm -hmm. on a level that I have never experienced before. Really? I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to start naming professors, because, you know, I don't want, but like, I haven't said that, you know, doctor, you know, but like, uh, these professors here, I'm able to, I mean, have like two hour conversations mm -hmm. about some project in the Coachella Valley or yeah. some project in um, Central Africa mm -hmm. Republic mm -hmm. or just um, just myself, my experience. And I've never really experienced professors that were, it's probably because it's a small school, I can't really, yeah. but it's um, very intimate. It's very way. intimate in that way. And I think that actually helps the environment because you never, um, you know that if you really wanted to, you can jump on project or you can jump on a research assignment you know that um you can just talk to them about what they're doing and mm -hmm. what you're doing without somebody saying hey i have to go, I have to go. so like or talk um, to the ta yeah talk to the ta right. so i think that actually really is something that i've appreciated mm -hmm. in my time here with the environment here and it's something that i've really um um, try to be deliberate about taking advantage of. So for the first, oh, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say to piggyback off of kind of what Anthony is saying, I think one of the conversations that I was just having with the other students out out there um, at the table is just that one of the things about all the teachers here is that everyone is very nice and very open to kind of like your concerns. Mm -hmm. um, and they're they're very um, mindful of like what your needs are. And it's very, and that's one thing that you should take advantage of is like to be able to yes. go and talk to the teachers if you have any concerns because usually the teachers have no problem at all right. opening up their doors for office hours to listen to your concerns and things like that um, and so and they're there to help you so I think that's really important um, and then one of the other things at the very beginning of like the school year when I first started at Loma Linda um, specifically in PCOR and in other various classes that mm -hmm. we've had as well a lot of the teachers here are very big in terms of like mental health and so they really encourage you to either um, go seek um, psychology help if you need to because grad graduate school is very tough it's, oh, Lord. it's a lot of stress and <laughs> yeah. strain on you um, and also to go like encourage you to exercise and different things like that too even though we know we should sometimes right. we may not um, right. but they are very encouraging of that as well so I think that's that really was helpful, um, especially in the first year being here at Loma Linda. That, okay, so that segues directly into what I would say. So what is the advice that each of you would give to first years? Who are coming to the end of their, well, you know, not quite the end of their first year, but, but you know, towards the end of their first year and going into their second, what kind of advice would you give them? Can I, Katie. <laughs> can I answer, like, a question you asked earlier? Yes. And, yes. like, tie it in with this one. So you, ta you asked about, like, what are some barriers that we face in grad school and I think everybody will say time management there's oh, never yes. enough time and Anthony and I talk about this all the time and he's always telling me like this is the time to master time management because life is not going to get easier what do you mean by time management though making time of course you have to show up for your classes mm -hmm. to get the education you're paying for mm -hmm. but time management as in you're making time to exercise you're taking a break from mm -hmm. studying you're Yes, you're not just eating at the cafeteria every day, right. all days. You're taking a break, taking like a weekend trip somewhere with your friends, planning a vacation to have something to look forward to at the end of the quarter so that you don't feel like you constantly have this stress. Uh -huh. Making You have to purposely set time aside for things uh -huh. because when you're in grad school, you're just, you're just focused about making it through that you have to intentionally set aside time for things. Well, you know, it's funny you're saying that because I've been telling myself because I've well, co-teaching a class this, this quarter. That, but one of the things that I've been telling myself because I've been kind of stressed with some of this and I just keep telling myself, I just got to make it to the weekend. I just got to make it to the weekend. But I've been doing this for like two months now. So I am actually going to make some time, Anthony. And on I'm going to take Thursday and Friday off and I'm just going to like take Good. some time and maybe do some gardening and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Because you do need to take care of yourself. And that's because you guys, it doesn't get really easier. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm going to graduate and then everything's cake. It's like, no, maybe you'll take a little bit of time during the summer just to like you know you know recharge your your batteries cool your jets maybe go on a trip or whatever but then it's working time mm -hmm. and then that's then you're just on that that hamster wheel I'm sorry mm -hmm. but and so so learning creating these these habits now yeah. to take care of yourself now and mm -hmm. to start realizing that you have to set aside this time 
for yourself. And so, you know, it's funny though, when we talked about this before, Anthony, when you were talking about time management, I, I assumed you were talking about how to get all your classwork done and how to have time to do everything. No, that's not what you meant. No. no. And if I were to answer that question, I would say like my advice that I have for the new students, it's the same thing with Katie just said, and it's what I tell all of them. Now is the time to master time mm-hmm. management to just master it especially when you're in your first quarter because mm-hmm. the first quarter is the easiest mm-hmm. all you have to do is really? worry, all you have to do is worry about classes i think it's the hardest well it depends it depends but i'm saying <laughs> but what happens is it just gets more complicated That's true. Yeah, you have more, you have to worry later on about work yes. about a project you're working and all three on of us work. about mm-hmm. a, oh that's right you, you guys all about, have jobs too you have to worry about yeah. practicums you have to worry about different life um, yeah. circumstances that could change. So I always tell them this is when it's the easiest when you just get here. So master it so that when the quarters start to accumulate mm-hmm. and then they say, and then Dean Marshak or Dr. Um, Dr. Medine or whatever, they ask you, hey, can you work on this DPP project? Or hey, can you work with this project? Mm-hmm. You're not like, wow, I I just have no, because one thing you hear a lot of graduate students say is, I'm just so busy. Uh-huh. I'm just so busy. And I say, hey, guys. Uh, yeah, but what are you busy doing? <laughs> everyone's busy. So it's important to master time management so that um, when, when those opportunities more, come. Yeah, when yes. those opportunities come, you still have space for them. And it's not just you're overflowing it. You just have no space for anything. Because I, I literally had this, ex- this experience with a student that... Um, she was offered a job. It was going to be like a part-time job looking to be a full-time job when she graduated. And I remember she told him she was going to turn it down because she needed to get straight A's. And I was just like gobsmacked. And I said, uh, well, are you sure? And I said, well, you know, I mean, is this really only going to be a part-time job? And she says, well, yeah, they're, they're interested in hiring me full-time once I graduate. But right now they want me to work part-time. And I know that's going to affect my GPA. And I'm just thinking, wait a miss the point. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, so, so in addition to field practicum and in addition to your rotations and things that are already kind of mandated as part of your your, your graduation requirements, there are things like you'll hear from a, from a faculty member, hey, I have this great project. I know some people are going to Chad yeah. soon and some going to Madagascar and some, some are going to CAR. Central African Republic. Yeah. Central African Republic. And so, you, I mean, what are you going to do? Turn that down so you can like, you know, study a little bit more? It's like, no, this is where you're doing public health and action. This is real life. Yeah. This is real life. Mm-hmm. And to, to pass up, a, you know, something like that at a time when you're trying to just I just want everybody just to be like a sponge and like soak up (laughs) as much as you can while you're here and just squeeze every last little bit and it ends up um, building up because when you work on when you say yes to one project Mm -hmm. and you have the time for that it accumulates where so for example the I'm working with uh, on a project in Riverside right now and that project actually opened a door for me to work on a project in Central Africa Republic uh-huh. where I'm going to be leaving this summer. So it ends up just building up when you uh-huh. work on it and you end up or you end up being able to just kind of be able to be in the position to choose what you to really make want choices. to choices. Yeah. 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 Instead of saying, hey, I have to I have to make myself known and you end up in being in the position of saying, you know what, I could say no to that or I could say yes to that having more options so. yeah it's so important Go ahead. Um, something I'm really proud about me and Anne is that we're really involved with Loma Linda University's diabetes prevention yeah. program yes. oh yeah and they recently are they're almost there at becoming CDC recognized and <gasps> there's just one more step Ooh, and yes. they it's like right there but we were there for the first cohort and the second cohort mm-hmm. so we've been there since October of 2017 mm-hmm. and Basically, we come every week to volunteer, mm-hmm. and of course, it is part of our program requirement to do 100 hours. But we are way yeah, beyond. Yeah, we've done way more than 100 we hours. we love that program. Yeah. And at first, it started off as you know something we were, were interested to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it just ended up being something where we got to interact with participants and really build that bond and and also educate them about diabetes. Mm-hmm. And we got to lead classes. And this kind of experience is something that we would not have gotten from just a classroom mm-hmm. setting. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to put yourself out there yeah. and seek out opportunities. And then it's... Yeah, because the thing is we learn about diabetes in our classes. I mean, we take several classes. You can do chapter and verse about diabetes. Absolutely. I know you can. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can too, just from all these years of being around y'all. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, a lot of times... Um, 
people with pre-diabetes or people with diabetes, they kind of know what they need to do in order mm-hmm. to, you know, lose weight and in order to better the health too. Mm-hmm. But it's more working with them um, to collaborate them to help them um, get to that goal. Because sometimes it's more like they know they need to exercise more. Mm-hmm. They know they need to eat better. Mm-hmm. But it's making that connection of how they can do it. And that's where encouragement, one, encouragement and also being able to um, – coach them a little bit in order to be able to meet their goals because um, those things, you don't get too much hands-on experience in the classroom model, right. but you get that when you are participating in the diabetes prevention program because we were set in, um, there were a couple of us who were there and we were divided into um, different people with, with different participants and mm-hmm. we would focus on those participants to help them reach their own personal goals. Because it's not just well. about sitting there, like you said, they know, diabetics know, they know mm-hmm. their disease better than anybody. Yes. And so, you know, just kind of sitting down with them and wagging your finger at them and saying, you're not, you're not supposed to be doing this and what's your A1C? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's more like relating to them as human beings and trying to make, come up with ideas to make the things that they're supposed to do relatable. And manageable. And manageable, yeah. something they can actually keep doing mm-hmm. as opposed to just like living this perfect life, you know, that everyone's supposed to be living or whatever. And going off of what Anthony was saying earlier about like networking and making connections, um, we got close with the person who coordinates the entire program, Dr. Ernie Medina. Mm-hmm. And because of this process, we were the only two volunteers who stuck it out for the entire... We've been there for over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's already... He's like, if you ever need a job, mm-hmm. let See, us this know. is the thing. Or any and, recommendations. Yeah. Right. And this is the thing. And so not to be, you know, kind of too, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, crass about it or whatever, but all of this good work, it really can benefit you in a lot of ways. And so I remember you were telling me something, Anthony, where you were talking to someone and you ended up getting like job offers. You know, at some, it was it at health fair or something. I think that you were doing something like that. Well, um, it was actually, um, what was it? I was working, uh, talking about work life balance. I was working on this big project for one of my classes and one of the deans emailed me and asked me to, present to the administration on behalf of the School of Public Health. Well, that's a big honor. So I said, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> for sure. I said, you know, but in my mind, I'm like, well, I have this big assignment that I'm working on. And I said, I could have said no, and the dean would have been fine. But mm-hmm. I said, let me just um, accept this challenge and make myself a little uh, uncomfortable mm-hmm. and be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I went over right. I went over there and I did the presentation and right after that presentation on behalf of the School of Public Health, I was um, given two job offers and mm-hmm. one of, from one person in um, Maryland that works at this division that I actually was really interested in. We've been in touch ever since. Wow. So um, it's, um, I guess the more of that story is it's important to just kind of put yourself out there a little bit. Even though if you're not completely comfortable doing something. That's brilliant though. Okay, I'm going to stop you because I want you to, to say that again. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, one of, my, it's one of my uh, life models. Um, and have heard this to, uh, Yes. <laughs> they're, like, they're not rolling their eyes, you guys, but they're like, oh, here's Anthony with this. No, 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 because um, <laughs> one thing people don't know about me is I'm actually an introvert as opposed to an extrovert. I don't believe it. <laughs> I say that too. I don't, I, I, I don't believe that, but that's okay. But but I really learned that it's important to be completely comfortable being uncomfortable. So there's times that where I have to speak, there's times where I have to do certain things where I it's not my nature to be comfortable doing it. But it's important to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and that's one thing that I've kind of um, incorporated into my stepping practice. outside of your comfort stepping zone. Stepping outside of your comfort zone and. Um, being deliberate about it. Well, see, and something that I hear from students a lot, and this is kind of, I think there's a certain amount of perfectionism in you guys' generation that I've noticed, and mm-hmm. very being very hard on, on yourselves, mm-hmm. and and I think grad students are probably even more that way, because, you know, you don't get here by chance, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> the stakes you know, are higher, yes. the stakes are higher, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's a lot, and, um, and so I think just even taking a chance on doing something different, yeah. like, when people say, like, right now in the class that um, I'm, I'm co-teaching um some of the students are not natural writers and they're mm-hmm. saying well we're not good at writing we're not good at writing and i'm trying to tell it's like tell yourself a different story right you know tell yourself a story of this isn't that this isn't the thing that i'm the best at but it's not to say that i'm not good at it right and where i can think of i can think of ways in which i could see myself succeeding at this or something and not just 
You know, because even me, I'm a, not a numbers person. And I spent years doing grants and grant budgets for millions of dollars and these crazy spreadsheets and stuff. And oh my God. And just the idea of using Excel like that and having all these crazy formulas and stuff. And I just, I had to do it and talk about being uncomfortable. Oh my Lord. And so, I mean, here I'm an English major and I'm sitting there and I'm crunching all these numbers. And so I had to learn how to do that. So sometimes it might not come naturally to us. It's not our talent, but it's still a tool in your tool belt that you need to try to like put in your tool belt. And to take off the cap. Because, like, I, I'm in that class also, and I do hear the FB students saying, I'm not a good writer. Yeah. And that's just saying that I'm done growing. Yes. Like, there's uh. so much more. All right, you could currently not be a good writer, right. but you can say, you know what, I'm going to work on this, and by next quarter, I'm going to be an excellent writer. Right. So just giving yourself a little a bit little more. Bit better, a little bit better. A little bit better. But just <laughs> giving, your, giving yourself yeah. room to grow. Yes. It's really about reframing mm-hmm. your perspective. Yeah. That's it. It's all about just like, what what is the story that you're telling yourself yeah, today? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. Well, yeah, guess what? You're not going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and also it's not a matter of talent, especially with writing, because that's my stock and trade. And that's the thing that really, that, that I care about a great deal. And the thing that I see is that people, if they do open themselves up to reading more and being around words more and getting more comfortable with that, they can, they just start getting better at this without even knowing that they're doing it. It's sort of an unconscious process in a way. Of course, it's better if, you, if you're if you conscious about it, but, but things like words kind of like start, you know, like kind of, you know, wending their way into your consciousness and you start noticing good writing and you start sort of, you know, being able to apply it. And, and I've, I've seen people be like, God, I just, I, I was trying to work on this thing and I, and I needed the word and I couldn't think of the word, you know, I mean, people, especially numbers people, they're, they can, they're more concerned that they don't necessarily have a good vocabulary. They're more vocab about numbers they can talk about numbers all day but they don't necessarily have a great vocabulary always and one of the ways of doing it is just reading and though it's not quantifiable people um, (laughs) one of the things that happens was when you read more um, outside of your field different things you um, you start increasing your vocabulary and start having more words sort of at your disposal and you don't even know where they came from in some ways so I mean that's my little you know two cents about my thing but so if you if you're always you know just saying oh well I'm not a good writer or I don't enjoy reading or just limiting yourself you are totally limiting yourself and so right now my big thing and you know earlier when you're talking about your Spanish I'm so jealous because I have been studying Spanish since high school and I'm not going to tell you how long that's been okay and I'm still not fluent and so lately, I've really been pushing really hard on my Spanish. And I've got, like, four different apps on my phone. One is for verbs. One's for vocab. One's for speaking. One's for the – I'm just crazy on it now, and I'm spending all my time on it. And I'm um, pretty up there in age compared to y'all, especially. And I just think it's proof that you just – you can't stop learning, and you can't stop pushing yourself. And so as smart as you guys all are, nobody got here, like, on a pass. You know, you can't be stupid. And so you're already – you're smart enough to do more and to push yourself more. And to, to be more elastic and allow your brain to be more elastic. Absolutely. Well, this has just been great. I have really enjoyed this conversation. So um, so one of the things that I am going to totally put you guys on the spot. So next time when I have an excellent seminar-like effective email strategies and things like that, you really think that everybody should go to stuff like that, right? Or next month, April, SA and this office, we're going to collaborate on a LinkedIn. Seminar. Um, we're not going to do anything in March because obviously it's crazy time. Yes. So, in, so in April we're going to collaborate on something like that, and we're going to be presenting it. And um, that's the kind of stuff that you guys really need to take advantage of and, and kind of arm yourself with this knowledge while you're here. Because guess what? Guess who pays for that? You guys do. It's all part of your your tuition. And so, sometimes, sorry, Mola. no, you go. Sometimes, for example, for the EndNote workshop that you. Oh, that was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, a couple months ago. I had already knew how to use it, Mm -hmm. but when I saw that workshop, I was like, I need to brush up on my skills. Mm -hmm. It's only an hour or two. And there was food. Yes, there's food. Mm -hmm. What what do I have to lose? Right. So Was there anything in there that you got out of it that you didn't know before, or was it just like, oh, that's right. It just helped reinforce, like, what I knew. So, for Mm -hmm. example, like, the email strategies, I feel like I'm okay at writing emails, Mm -hmm. but going just like reinforces how important it is and just hearing it again. And I think like first year students think like I'll know it or it's common sense, but really you just need to be reinforced. And it's also, you don't know what you don't know. And so it's always good to be able to go in and see what is new because you're right. It's only usually just an hour and there's always usually free food anyway. So it's, it's a good break to be able to go and see. And the thing is, if you decide to just go in there and halfway through, you realize that, okay, maybe you 
do know this stuff already, yeah. then maybe you can pop out and you use yeah. your time differently and wisely. But if not, I mean, it might as well go so that you can learn something new. It's lunchtime and you're there already. Exactly. And why not just take advantage of it and, and you know, just like you said, you don't know what you don't know. You, yeah. And so, and this is just all part of preparing you guys for like that big, that big, you know, I don't. I was gonna say challenge. I don't think it's a challenge. I think you all will, will do okay. I'm not worried about you all finding jobs. Like that. <laughs> but I know that it's a lot of work. It's a whole other job in and of itself. Just finding a job. You yeah. know, it's, it's you have to approach it that way. So I just this is the kind of thing though. I mean, it's like these these students that I see who I know. I've just I, I just see them. I just go. I'm not worried about her. I'm not worried about him. They're gonna be great because because they're taking advantage of things and they're and they're really just seeing this as as kind of like laying the groundwork for their professional life. Really it's is. more than school. It is. And I think that's what makes the, the biggest difference between undergrad and graduate school. Undergrad, you're just trying to, you know, get through it, get through yeah. the grades. You're taking art history. Then, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> stuff, you're doing yeah. that kind of stuff. But this stuff in grad school, like, you are preparing for an actual right. career. Uh-huh. So you have to take it seriously. You have to, like, really try to learn the materials, but also really know how to apply it in real life as well. Yeah, it's not just about, I mean, that's why I'm always talking. I mean, I took a class a few years ago, and I ended up only getting a B plus because guess what? I put in my assignment a little late, so I got talked. It's terrible. Can you believe this? <laughs> Such a terrible student. But anyway, but I learned so much. It was crazy. Like, it was just amazing. My my mind was blown all, you know, all through it and after, and I'm still using it um, in my work, actually. It was um, on helping people who are non-native speakers of English um, learn how to read and write, you know, write, write better in, in English, and because it's pretty tough to do if you're if it's not your your native language and so um I just learned all these things I'm like oh my god and so I look at that B plus I'm like yeah it's not embarrassing you know but I I know that I just I just felt so enriched by everything that, that happened in there and then I was able to apply it here and and I turned out and this was exciting that even some of the things I was already doing were things that were good yeah. like I didn't even know I'm like really you do that because that's what I do but I didn't know if it was going to work or not but so that's the thing I should do and they're like yeah that's the thing you should do I'm like oh because sometimes you just feel like you're making it up you know you just don't know but you guys don't have that problem because you're all like well prepared in class and you know me I'm just making it up as I go along a lot of the time it's kind of scary so anyway well thank you guys all so much and thanks again for um, tuning in to Don't Fear the Career our special student success edition with our special guest stars um, Katie and Anne and Anthony and um, and if you guys oh you guys can find this um, podcast on a lot of different platforms Spotify and Google Play and Apple Apple um, podcasts. Apple Podcasts and iTunes and Stitcher and a whole a bunch of other ones and if you like what you hear then give us a what does Danielle always say a thumbs up a high five something something she always says a double tap <laughs> yeah double tap something. she always says, she has this nice little tagline at the end that she always does and I can't exactly remember what all of it is but anyway and just let us know if you like this content and if you do share it with your friends thank you all so much and goodbye say goodbye everybody bye, bye. bye.